Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. So the first reading comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. But everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The Gospel reading comes from John. Chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Anyone know why we call Easter Easter? I actually had to look it up this morning. Because it seems to make no sense, right? Christmas makes it a bit more obvious. Christ Mass, right? We're celebrating the birth of Christ. Easter 
you know, nothing sounds like resurrection of Jesus, right? Those are not compatible. We call it Easter, actually, because it has to go back to about the 7th century England. A monk named Bede, B-E-D-E, uh, who started referring to it, uh, the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, as Easter, because that month at that time was named for Oster, O-E-O-S-T-R-E, uh, a pagan goddess of spring and fertility. And so uh, it was kind of reclaiming this pagan goddess, what comes to life, what brings things to life, and now saying what brings things to life, the resurrection of Christ brings things to life. So as I thought about that, I thought that's a great question for us during Easter. It isn't just understanding that the tomb is empty, right? That's just information, which is not bad. But then the question becomes, what do we do with that information? And a question maybe that we can ask ourselves is, because we understand, because we know, because we believe, because we trust, the tomb is empty, Christ is raised, what does that bring to life within us? Because that is so much of what the early church was about. It wasn't just telling people the tomb was empty, but because the tomb was empty, it actually meant something different in their lives. They lived a different life than what was going on around them. And we see a glimpse of this life that they lived in this reading from Acts, from Acts 4, right? This was a community of people that had a profound effect of the resurrected Christ on them that caused them to live a life that seemed so countercultural to what was going on that people couldn't help but want to be part of it. Is that they had an experience that caused them to see things differently. Now, how many people want to sell their house? How many people own a house, right? <laughs> well, my bank owns the house, really. But I live there. <laughs> Some of you are fortunate enough to be at that point later on where the bank doesn't own your house anymore. I'm not there yet. But I don't have a huge desire to sell my house, right? And to give everything away. I, how many people are, actually most people are retired. Kristen, you and I think are the non-retired people, right? <laughs> I'm saving for retirement. Are you saving for retirement, right? Is this picture of life, is this the image of life given in this Acts reading? This is what I struggle with. Is it something that is supposed to be specifically emulated by us now? Or is it of that place, of that time, but we're different and that's not possible? We are different worlds, and I don't think it is fully possible to do that. And I don't think this reading is selected to say, everybody go sell your house. Give the money to the church, and let us distribute it. That's not what I'm here to, to preach. But what I am here to preach is to ask ourselves, what is coming to life in our lives because the resurrected Christ is alive because the tomb is empty. 
There is a group of people that lived in a time and place in which that was possible. But let's be honest, it didn't happen to everybody back then because we have other stories in the New Testament in which they would gather in people's homes and they still had ownership of it. So it wasn't something that everybody and anybody did. But it is true of this group of believers. But the question remains, what is coming to life within us because we know Christ is alive? How are our lives turned from being focused on ourselves to being focused on our neighbor? Because I think that is what made this group of early Christians different than the culture around them. It wasn't simply about how am I impacted by this, right? And I don't mean uh, the story of Jesus, but it means anything and everything. How does it impact me? How does it affect me? Instead, it was always how does it impact the other? And not just the anybody, but specifically those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, those who are weak, the widow, the orphan, whatever it might be. It was always focused on the other. And how does it benefit them? How does my life benefit them? That is the question that we always need to be asking ourselves because the tomb is empty. Because Christ lives, we get a glimpse of what the future will be like. When there is no more poverty, there is no more sorrow, there is no more pain, there is no more tears, there is no more death. And so because we get a glimpse of what will be in the resurrected Christ, the question is, how do we bring that into fruition for us today? We say it every week when we say the Lord's Prayer. You know those words? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I can't say this enough. We are not in a waiting room. Where now Jesus has risen, so when I die, I get to go to heaven. Yes, there is truth to that, right? All will be restored when Christ comes again. Heaven and earth will be one. Goodness and beauty and love will last and be eternal, and we will participate in it. And yet, it is not the hope of faith is not just something that impacts the future. It is something that impacts us today in the way we view the world, the way we interact with the world, the way we live in the world. Is that we we ask ourselves. What is coming to life within us that will benefit the other, right? I, I love the quote. I don't know who it's by. Uh, the meaning of life is to plant a tree of which the shade you will never get to enjoy. Right? Plant trees of which the shade you will never get to enjoy. To me, that is what it means to understand what what it means to understand that Christ lives, that the tomb is empty, 
plant trees in which the shade you will never get to enjoy. And maybe in a way it means you enjoy shade of trees that other people planted. You see how that works? It's not about what do I benefit from? What do others benefit from? And then how do I benefit from others as well? That's the hope of the risen Christ. That's the hope 